Christopher Walken is a puss. Hulk smashes very little, and the teenager in all of us can't hardly wait. This week on 30-20-10. Welcome everyone to 30-20-10, the internet's pop culture time machine, each week taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago into the past. This is the week of June 8th to the 14th. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Hi. I'm Mismatch Twins, Diana Goodman. Ah, and who else is with us? It's me, Sarah, a Preston Myers in a Mike Dexter world. That has to be a reference <laughs> to 1998. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm calling it right now because it's, again... The might be the worst week of television I think we've encountered in the entire recording process of 302010, the two year history. But the movies just get more and more notable as we go. This are. whole summer, man. Yeah. This it's the summer of George. <laughs> <laughs> it's going every week through the summer until like mid July, it peaks. We will be doing probably like three hour shows. Oh, There's God. so, so much to talk about. Oh God. There's so much to watch. Uh, and you should watch along with us. Uh, feel free to look ahead um, and tell a friend about 302010, but be prepared or buckle in right now for a look at the movies, music, television, video games, and all that minutia from 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Anyway, beginning like we always do in 1988, June 8th through the 14th, we don't have some we don't have news other than Crocodile Dundee 2 is reigning supreme at the <laughs> box office, making every American production look fucking stupid. <laughs> That's fair. Oh, oh, did you pay did you pay 10 million bucks to make a movie? Too bad. Paul Hogan in a hat. Uh, it's going to kick the shit out of you all year. All you need is a funny accent. Good eye. Um, but I'm sure we'll encounter some more funny accents. Uh, and this week's releases, these are the movies, June 8th to the 14th, 1988. And I'm going to need some help here because I have not seen any of these at all. As tears go by um, with Andy Lau and Maggie Chang. Am I saying that right? Chung. 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 Yep. Shouldn't have even brought it up. Uh, big bits. Yep. So Wong Kar Wai film out of Hong Kong because this uh, is sort of the golden age of Hong Kong films right here. So mm. I like to throw them out, even though I admit I haven't seen this one. Um, big business with Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler. From Touchstone Pictures, Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin are about to meet Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. They're two sets of mismatched twins in one outrageous comedy. Two of everybody in there. Big business. All right, this is definitely not the movie I saw a poster for in every video store of Bette Midler hanging over a cliff. This is something different. No, that was Outrageous Fortune. We covered oh, that Oh, okay. One. See, I knew it. <laughs> so this is even notable for that. <laughs> I love no. this movie, you guys. Have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Wait, really? Oh, yes. Really? Yeah, it's great. I mean... This is a shock. Let me just say this. <laughs> I feel, I'm waiting for a punchline. This might be a surprise to everyone, but I love broads. No. And this is yeah. like four broads, basically. Four different types of broads, two lilies and two bets. So they're clone sisters? Okay. What's the deal? So yeah, mismatched twins. You know, Corsican brothers. Been uh, around forever. Uh, they're two sets of identical <laughs> twins that are born in the same small town hospital and they're switched at birth. One of each is switched at birth. So one set is like is uh, raised by this very backwoods kind of podunk family, and the other set is raised by this titan of industry, I believe. Jesus Christ! So yeah. it's like just that Prince and the Popper trope, like, but with two more people. Yeah. Holy it's shit! Great. And so the titans of industry family, they all grow up unbeknownst to each other. I mean, the sister, the mm -hmm. two sets of sisters are sisters, but you know, unbeknownst to 
each other. And then the Titans of Industry family are trying to shut down the small town family. And so the small town sisters go to New York and hijinks ensue. And it is fantastic. <laughs> this is I had I did not expect to talk about this movie that long. I'm sorry, but no, no go I, go for it. I remember it. the ads for it, and that's about it. Sorry about the interjections from uh, official Laser Time Dog Steve. There, see, he's Very a Steve. big Lily Tomlin fan. He's an I outrageous mean, Fortress fan. He, he can't let he can't allow this. I don't blame him, but I'm just saying, <laughs> check it out. It's definitely a lot of fun. There's some great sight gags in there, especially since this is like. Obviously, new technology of like doubling people. There's some real fun, yeah, some light hijinks that happen <laughs> that go on when they discover each other. All four of them. Wow. Yeah, it's great. All right, uh, but this movie I I taped on accident, thinking it was the first movie. It mm. is not, uh, and I watched it, but don't like it. Heather O'Rourke, one of the only returning cast members, along with Zelda Rubenstein, in Poltergeist Three. Oh, it's a great act. Caroline creates the fire in you. You make. You made her talk about him. You made her remember him. He was lost. Can you feel the cold? He's devouring the heat. The energy. I'm going to count to three, Carol Ann. And when I snap my fingers, you will awaken. One, two, three. Did you look away from the screen, I did, Sarah? I did. Jesus Christ! I'm sorry, <laughs> this is, this is a widely so panned uh, horror movie from 30 years ago. But it's so spoopy because this time they're in an apartment building. <laughs> what the also, hell is that? That little girl died like a month ago. Built on an Indian strip mall, <laughs> you bastards! Uh, like, how, so the ghosts are now just haunting the poor girl, right? Following her. Not Craig T. Nelson, who deserved it. And he was the only one to like, one of the cast to survive. Because, uh, yeah, isn't that the tragedy behind this? This girl like died before the movie even came out. Yep. Yeah, some disease. Um, it, it could be worse if you're a Poltergeist cast member. Um, well, yeah, I mean, her boyfriend didn't strangle her to death like happened to Dominique Dunn. But yeah, she was uh, t- 10, I believe. We, co- we covered it, uh, I don't know, like six weeks ago. Yeah, she passed away before the movie came out. So yeah. that's a little extra creepy and that you're watching a kid, and that's as old as she's ever going to get. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a forever timeless. And we're, we're stretching here because the TV is that bad in 1988. Yeah. Um, but this I'm happy to talk about because I think we talked about another fairy tale in the Canon Films variety. I feel like we mm-hmm. haven't gushed about the Electric Boogaloo people, Canon Films, makers of You Can't Even Say Schlock. They made an expensive version of Othello. <laughs> but uh, the these how how would you describe Canon Films? The very uh, cheap guys. Yes, and they were, but they're savvy. They were good at like figuring out you know where that there's a market for B movies that are you know a little better than the other B movies. You know they they get uh, you know not much. They don't throw much money at it, but you know they get good bang for their buck. They get you know sort of not very well known stars or or like they get the. Non-union Mexican equivalent of a star. <laughs> or Chuck Norris or Chuck Bronson. Oh. But <laughs> but this is, I thought, a bold move. Like, hey, what's up with these Disney movies? Why are they popular? That's my that's my best Israeli accent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, why waste that time animating stuff? We'll just film it. And they just started filming fairy tales, which seems novel. But, like, I didn't see a lot of movies 
filming public domain fairy tales at that point. That was mm-hmm. the realm of TV and Disney. Uh, and and fairytale theater. And fairytale theater, of course, if you want oh, to be creep the hell out. Just the resolution alone. It's everything about goosebumps. it is scary, but I love Yuck. it. I, the first one I ever saw was the Hervé Villachez Rumpelstiltskin one. Give me your firstborn. The Sleeping Beauty one's scary, too. This, this trailer, like, it feels like someone faked it or put it together <laughs> to put it together to say there's no way that exists but it does take this antonio banderas once upon a time there lived a poor peasant boy with nothing to his name but a clever little cat and a magical pair of boots academy award winner christopher walken stars as the enchanting puss in boots these boots will change our lives faster We'll never want for anything again. That was not Kevin Pollock or Jay Moore doing an impression. That's the real Christopher Walken playing, I think, Christopher Walken as Puss in Boots. <laughs> Puss in Boots. You can't name yep. a movie that. It did. It kind of looked like fairytale theater, to it be did. honest. It did. It, well, yeah. it looks, it looks very sort Italian. Of like dreamy, like. Like there's a cheesecloth. Yes, yes. Like there's a big smudge Vaseline, of Vaseline. Like right. You don't want to focus yeah. in too much on this because you'll start seeing TV antennas in the yes. background. Precisely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I admit, Puss in Boots is not a story I know very well. I don't really remember hearing it too much as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the trailer is like, oh, it's basically Aladdin, right? It's the same story where it's like, <laughs> I'm going to pass you off as a prince or fancy guy. And then he does. Oh, okay. uh, they walk in. He's looking pretty sexy. Oh, totally. And he gets to dance. <laughs> yeah, that was an impressive uh, turn that he did there. Exactly. Yeah, um, man loves to dance. But neither, none of us have seen that. I don't even know if you can find these fucking movies. They are gone. If you if you can, it's probably one search away on YouTube. But good luck out well, there with this. Well, this next movie with big stars and everything, totally on YouTube. Really? Shot with Sean Connery, Mark Harmon, and Meg Ryan? That's on YouTube? Oh, we watched yep. it. We rented it this weekend Did from you Amazon. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always wanted to see it just because it uh, was named, a, you know, it's named after a place I lived near for a long time. Yeah. The Presidio. Well, I was an MP at the Presidio. She was my partner. What we've got here is a multi-jurisdictional investigation involving the cooperation of the Army and the San Francisco Police Department. Now, I'm the police part, sir. I was prepared to cut you a little slack because of Patty Jean, so I'll let you do your dirty Harry invitation. Well, your time's up. So listen real good to what I want to tell you. This is my command here. You watch your mouth and your hair. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. What is with you two anyway, huh? <laughs> Thanks, Meg. Yeah, Thanks appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks for chiming in. And once again, like Chris Walken, I have not heard like an actual uncut speech by this person so long. I feel like it's an impression, but mm-hmm. no, it's the real Sean Connery. Yeah. Giving this man the what for. Go back to summer school. <laughs> that requires you to know who Mark Harmon is. Jesus Christ. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, but what did you think of the movie, Sarah? I mean, <laughs> I did my homework, you guys. Um, no, it was passable. Like, yeah. just, yeah. I mean, not to be too cisgender about it all but this weekend we watched my husband and i together watch big business which i was like oh my god i love this movie we should watch it Mm -hmm. and then he did the same thing to me with the presidio he's like oh my god i really like this movie we should watch it and it kind of worked out perfectly so your Um, husband is so fucking boring i've known him for so long just like we're like 10 years old and like 
you know it'd be really cool just drop the pogo ball watch hunt for red october like what that is so true yeah, that's the kind of guy he was like yes. this perry mason episode kicks ass like, yes god let's go out and play it's so attractive to me like i can't even tell you how much i love that because i was a little adult too as a child yeah. obviously I, I think that's a good good relationship is is based on compromise yeah it's like we'll do your thing and then we'll do my thing exactly and we're good i hope that means you're playing a bunch of god of war later diana Sure. <laughs> okay. You have I'm to not draw a line. To touch the machine. You have to draw There's so line many somewhere. wires back there. I, I'm afraid. About this movie, I just have to say, Meg Ryan, man, she was great. At her Meg she was Ryan-iest. so great. Oh, yeah. So cute. And then there's also a very strange sex scene that happens, like in the streets of San Francisco. With Connery, with Connery, with Connery. No, oh. I wish. Uh, yeah. Two homeless people? Because that's why I usually see it. Yes. <laughs> also, no. Damn. Oh, in exchange for ear medication. Um, yeah, happy to be out of that city for the moment. Did you ever see Presidio, Diana? Uh, I have not, but mm-hmm. I did do the research to find out, okay, was this still an active uh, army base at the time? Yes, it was. Oh, it 94 was. is when it finally shut down. And now it's just beautiful, sprawling land that's really confusing to find your way around. And LucasArts, or Lucas has a <laughs> yeah. big complex where the hospital used to be mm-hmm. and... It's really cool, but it's really hard to get there, and it is run by raccoons. <laughs> and the Walt Disney <laughs> Family Museum. Oh, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, the biggest fucking raccoons you've ever seen in your life. And foxes. I've seen red foxes running around in there. Oh, that's awesome. And one of my favorite streets ever from one of my favorite Instagram posts ever, hmm. uh, Pena Street. But if you scrape that tilde off, all you have, say the word Pena. Pena. Street. Street. Now say it together. What? I'll say it. <laughs> Penis Street. <laughs> Penis Street. Penis Street. Yes! Penis Street. Oh, I got to get that on my Tobias license plate. Sorry, I'm still reeling in Arrested Development love. We do have an episode, uh, Dave and I, if you remember Dave from this show, uh, Arrested Development spoiler cast uh, at patreon.com slash laser time. You can get that over there for five bucks as well as a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, sorry, the Presidio. Are we mm. done with the Presidio? Sure. Yep. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Get ready to be done with TV real quick. Uh, June 8th, uh, the Slap Maxwell story ends. I am so sorry, everyone. Uh, Houston oh. Night concludes on June 10th. Slap Maxwell was Dabney Coleman, right? And yes. Yes. Yeah, so we, we, like, we talked about it like three weeks ago when it, when it came on for the first time. Huh. Uh, but yeah. Uh, June 14th, uh, Young and the Restless takes down General Hospital for a new ratings record. Um 26 years as the number one soap, and I can't believe anyone's still taking keeping score at that point. In your face! More than 25 years, General Hospital! <laughs> and uh, I think, do neither of them exist? No, General Hospital's still on. Okay, but Young and the Restless ended a few years ago. Unclear. I don't know. No, I checked. It's, oh, it, oh, okay. It did. I, I, just, okay. I thought General Hospital did too for some reason. I only know that General Hospital is still on because I am a Jimmy Pardo fan, and he is a fan of General Hospital. Really? And so he talks about it all the time. <laughs> Man, I, I feel like I'm not doing the most with working from home. <laughs> right. The Jimmy Pardo is a goddamn General Hospital fan. But that is like... Totally it for television. Can you believe that? Have you ever been bored with all of your options on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Crackle? There was like three channels and they're all in repeats. There's not even a Bob Hope special on. It was a dark time. That's, that is mm. it. Mm-hmm. Maybe a sports game. That was the best you could hope for, for new. Uh, unless you were a video game fan, in America specifically, because 30 years ago today, America was introduced to the game Metal Gear. Metal Gear, I, I'm sure even the people who don't game out there, by I've that I mean the it. two ladies I'm talking with, 
have heard of Metal Gear. I've, I've heard of it. Uh, so it's just called Metal Gear. It's not solid or liquid or gaseous or that's, snake that's, plasma. That's right. It was a Hideo Kojima project for the MSX2, a Japanese-only computer console system. So America only got the NES port, which he kind of disowned. And it, the game wasn't amazing, but it was just this little isometric espionage collect these key cards, sneak around people. It was fine. I think everybody had played it. It was in the B tier of NES games. And we never got the superior MSX2 version because we lived in America. Uh, and this is how the commercial went. Because like Metal Gear right now is like kind of synonymous with video games. That shit I said last week about Double Dragon being in... If aliens came down and asked what video games are, I'd show them a, a, a highlight reel with Double Dragon in it. I think now you'd use Solid Snake in Metal Gear. That's what most people... It's one of the highest selling franchises, most notable uh, video game franchises of all time. But this is how it was. Uh, the commercial went in America. I'm the creator of Ultra Games for Nintendo, like Metal Gear, where you're a commando searching for deadly weapons. Defender of the Crown, with strategic castle sieges, waves in distress, and skipped or die in five rad events that pit you against a friend or bionic Lester. So check out Ultra Games. Remember, I'm never. All right, stop it. You see, like that's how little. They thought of Metal Gear because it's a advertised an, an American commercial with Skater Die. Oh, and I thought those were all one game. No, <laughs> they're, they're different three, things. Three to different do. games, and if you don't, oh, I, I, okay. we talked about that a little while ago. Like Nintendo, in order to preserve quality and not engage in another video game crash, a la the Atari, which was just flooded with garbage, not unlike your iPhones uh, and Androids are flooded with game garbage. Now they decided, like, well. Publishers can only publish a certain amount of games every year. And it was a very low amount. And Konami's like, we've been making games for like 10 years, man. We had a lot of shit to put on your system. So they created the fake brand Ultra, where they kicked down their lesser games. This wasn't even good enough to have Konami's name on it at the time. Now it's wow. like kind of all Konami has to sell on consoles is Metal Gear. And it's just, it's just very, very odd. And it's like 10 years before Metal Gear Solid would kind of remake the series and make it a household name with people with uh, with game consoles. So does Ultra still exist? No, no. But it Konami not. does. Yes, Konami okay. definitely still exists. Much to gamers dismay. Ooh, I bet you're all mad just because you just heard that. And these ladies know nothing about it, so leave them alone. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Metal Gear, uh, I think a, a perfectly fun game, but something no one wanted more of. Uh, and I think we talked about that on an episode of Video Game Apocalypse recently. Like, the sequels, the sequels are reboots that nobody asked for, and like Metal Gear ended up getting, I think, the most substantial one. It kind of redefined the entire genre when Metal Gear Solid came out in 1998. And in case you're wondering, in 2008, we'll talk about Metal Gear again. So I'll shut up. <laughs> but that concludes it. That concludes the games of uh, 1988, June 8th to the 14th. Um, music. Let's talk about music for a second. One more try by George Mark Michael is still number one. Good on you, Mr. Manager. Uh, new releases, Ain't Complaining by Status Quo, <laughs> Survive by uh, Nuclear Assault, and Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul, which will sell 18 million copies worldwide and spawn three number one hits. Rightly so, man. That's a good mm. one. That album was so fucking huge and mm -hmm. like popular with like every age group of people. I remember hearing that, I guess I'm eight years old, and this is my most 80s memory I have at all, of all time. I'm at, I just got out of my friend's pool. I stink of chlorine and I'm scrunched into the backseat of a red Corvette blasting Paula Abdul's forever year girl. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I can smell the chlorine right now. That's fun. Oh, forever your girl. Yep. 
Yeah, this is one. Yeah, if you ever go through the tapes at a at thrift store, oh my god, I could paper a room with these little the inserts. Yes, it was so so omnipresent, and it just seemed like it came out of nowhere. It was yeah. like people knew, oh, Paula Abdul, she was like she's a choreographer. She was like a fly girl, and I think no, a- she choreographed. No. No, she was a Laker girl. That's yeah, right. Jennifer Laker. No, she, we, the was last a fly girl. the last we talked about her, Diana, was in the Running Man, the movie The Running Man. She was the choreographer for the dancers of in the movie The Running Man, oh, wow. and I think has like an yeah. uncredited song on the soundtrack. But like, yeah, she was not a name yet. She had nothing else on the radio, and this thing, like, Jesus, eighteen million copies. I think is. I'm trying to think if there's other than Alanis Morissette, if there's a more successful like solo debut. Mm. Good lord, mm. I don't know. And you, but you, Diana, you don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to talk about "Forever Your Girl." You don't want to close out with that song. No, well, like I said, we got three number one hits that are eventually going to start showing up. So we can't do that. We can't do "Cold Hearted." So uh, go with uh, the way that you love me. The way that you love me, I love it. Good one. I, it's so perky. It's I've a good one. Always wanted to do a podcast where we nominate the most '90s song of all time, and it's on one of these albums. Uh, damn it, I'm not going to spoil it. Let's go out with The Way That You Love Me. We will be right back with 1998. Stay there, people. This week on Laser Time, the Internet's seventh leading pop culture podcast, the gang is tackling a brand new topic. <laughs> going on with a yo-yo because it automatically retracted. Yeah. You'd throw it out and just automatically pull back. The, the yo-yo ball, this is what the commercial sounded like. Yo! Yo! Yo-yo ball! It's so much fun and easy to do. Come on, let me go! So I personally hit myself in the face of the yo-yo ball like 900,000 <laughs> times because it like it really does retract back to you no matter what like force you think you're using. We were little kids in the uh, 80s and 90s. Fucking 1950s songs were used to advertise everything to us. Huh. Yeah. And all the time. Like, you know, doo-wop, it's the big bopper <laughs> for, for the game Sorry. And like I saw, I was watching cartoons and like there's a new modern yo-yo ball commercial they didn't change the lyrics. What? Uh, but they added a modern sound. It's made by Childish Gambino. It's a yo-yo ball. It's so much fun and easy to do. Around it goes, it comes back to you. And you never have to whine it. You can do it all. Everybody. It's a yo-yo ball. See, I was wondering if it's real. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely real. Wow. Well, it, it seems hard to believe, like, in, you know, this, like, electronic age, like, somebody, like, marketing something like that. I have a kid. Like, sometimes, like... The simplest thing, like, that's fucking fun. If I bought him a yo-yo, he'd look at me like I was an asshole. <laughs> like, <laughs> I bought him a yo-yo. That's Laser Time. New every Monday on LazerTimePodcast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. So big it look like the Cynodon. Give her a couch just to spill Henny on. And been a don since Lotto's and Benetton. Come on. Some people say that I'm not the same girl. They say I think that I'm in my own. Jesus, 
you can we're not going to be able to keep Brandy out of the music section of 1998 this summer. Uh, June 8th to the 14th. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to 302010. Uh, that is Top of the World by Brandy featuring Mace. That's how you say it. Make sure you say it like that. The record store guy will not give you Harlem World. Um, yes, I, I don't remember this song at all. But she like she has two songs debuting on the charts. Wow. Well, no, this is off her album Never Say Never. The album's mm. debuting. Got the it. single "The Boy Is Mine" with Monica has been out for a couple of weeks and been number one, and it will be number one until the end of time itself. By the way, guys, noted. Sorry for shitting all over Monica. Yeah. I did. Not, I was not aware <laughs> of her contributions to the Space Jam soundtrack. I, I'm not kidding. That's very important. It accompanies two of my favorite songs: Quad City DJs and Basketball Jones. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah. All right. Those are not songs. Uh, <laughs> okay. I was uh, nodding like, oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, totally. I don't want to talk about Space Jam. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we have new releases in 1998 uh, this week. Diablos and uh, Musica by Slayer. Uh, DL, the DLR band by David Lee Roth. Uh, Left by Cool by Bella Fleck and the Flecktones. Uh, Long Way Home by Dwight Yoakam and Perversion by Gravity Kills. Obviously, obviously, The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica is still number one. And will it's still be theirs. Forever. <laughs> oh, I just love that they could, there's like barely have any energy left after this Iron Man match, just fighting over this boy. Um, <laughs> but I guess, Sarah, you have some news, newsiness for 1998 because we don't mention books very often. Yeah, we don't talk about books that much. And I uh, just was poking around looking at the New York Times bestseller list and I noticed that A Widow for One Year by uh, John Irving was number one and it had been for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And it's just notable because John Irving is one of those writers that is prolific and still great Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. most authors i feel like who are as prolific as he is there's a lot more hit or miss or their books eventually come formulate become formulaic or they write about conservative politics exclusively yeah (laughs) Yeah. but no he's a great author he's written a lot of books that a lot of movies are based on including one that a movie that we'll be talking about later this year Ooh, don't spoil it i won't Mm. um but yeah a widow for one year is great He's a great author. I highly recommend. Word. Um, well, let's jump into the movies of 1998. Uh, the Truman Show is still number one at the box office, but that won't stop Edge of <laughs> 17. Starring- Edge of 17, not that one, the other one. This is very frustrating because there was a movie called Edge of 17 out in 2016, which is critically <laughs> acclaimed. This one is the one from 1998 that's about kids in the 1980s uh, and this guy is sort of realizing that he is attracted to his new friend co-worker guy who's this? a dude <gasps> oh, oh my god is that why Leia Deloria is in it <laughs> kissing boys man I think it's just but the title and dates alone this show this this movie was made to trip up 30 2010 uh, Jesus yeah. Christ uh, another movie I didn't see uh, starring Jessica Lange Elizabeth Shue Hugh Laurie and Bob Hoskins cousin Bet exposed the actress. In ten minutes, I will be in the arms of the man I love. Wants the father. Can't you make this thing go any faster? The mayor wants the daughter. I'll give you two hundred thousand francs for a glimpse of your naked body. Never. The daughter wants the artist. Who could you possibly find it there to spend so much money on? A husband. Oh. Oh, I am clutching my pearls. Can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> and then Jessica Lang is cousin Bet, and she is going to ruin all their lives because she is sick of their bullshit. You say that like... Oh my God, sounds amazing. I should know what this is, Di. Is this like a Agatha Kirstie book or something? Uh, Honoré de Balzac. Oh. A Balzac. Yeah. Yep. Balzac, you put water in it. 
No, we're talking about toys this week on Laser Time. I'm confused. Uh, I'm confused. Uh, Cousin Bat, tell me about it, Ty. Yeah. So uh, they kind of told you about it right there, that it's, you know, uh, old-fashioned, timey times, uh, comedy of manners, in which all these different people are, like, sneaking around trying to kiss people they're not supposed to kiss, and it's, oh, so shocking. Oh, my fan. See each other's and, ankles. Uh, <laughs> then uh, Cousin Bet, played by Jessica Lang, who's a uh, spinster, decides basically i'm sick of all of your fucking bullshit and she starts tricking them and setting them up and causing scandals and trying to ruin their lives because they're a bunch of assholes <gasps> that explains why i this movie can't be about a woman trying to decide between hugh laurie and bob hoskins <laughs> <laughs> it's a real sophie's choice yeah. <laughs> come shave me back love leave house alone <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this movie sounds right up my alley. Yeah. I think it's Netflix that keeps recommending it to me. And I was kind of like, I got it confused with uh, our cousin Rachel. I was just about to say that. Ago. Yeah. And it's like, no, this one I, I think I want to watch. This looks more, looks funnier than my cousin yeah, Rachel I, did. <laughs> and I, that's like a subgenre of movies I love, which is like upper class people double cross each other. And we have the ultimate one of those comes at the end of 88. I can't wait to talk about it, but upper class people double cross each other is always fun for me. Agreed. All right, ladies, calm down. I'm going to spray too much testosterone over the latter half of this movie segment with a movie you won't even like. Sorry. Uh, Anyway, oh, this movie, you ever see a movie like three times and don't remember a single second of it? Yes, this Mm -hmm. is that movie. Yeah, yeah. Harrison Ford, Anne Heche, Allison Janney, David Schwimmer in Six Days and Seven Nights. Two strangers on a flight to Tahiti are about to make an unscheduled stop. Whoa! Can we reattach it somehow? Oh, sure. We'll, like, glue it back on. So how do we find them? Well, we're gonna fly over the water and look out the window. It's a boat. Hello! If you were half a pilot, we wouldn't be on this island! I'm the best pilot you're ever gonna meet! Ah, I've flown with you twice! You've crashed half the time! Oh, Jesus. I, I I feel like I should remember this more. It seems like the too. perfect plot to a fucking video game. Yet it's this weird romancing the stone ripoff. Uh, I, yeah. 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 Except with like a much more like March-December relationship with Harrison Ford and Aaron <laughs> And <Age>. Ross. And Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the, I think the one of the big things that, I mean, pretty much the only thing I remember about this movie is people talking about we know Anne Heche is dating Ellen DeGeneres. Can we believe her as a straight woman in romantic comedies? God forbid. And this is a bad testing ground for that because who cares? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I saw her in a sex scene in Broke Down Palace. I was fine with it. Um, <laughs> what? Is that, she not she in was that? in that? No, it's, no, the, other, she it's, the, it's that. the other movie about the foreign prison that okay. came out like the same fucking year. Which, um, yeah, we got that coming up. Oh, goodness. Um, Return to Paradise. Return to Paradise. See, Dai's there with me. Um, yep. Because I peeked ahead. High art with uh, Rada Mitchell, Ali Sheedy, and Patricia Clarkson. I remember reading about this because this got some of the highest reviews from the Fancy Spants uh, critics of the summer. And I just, it's the first time I'd heard of like Ali Sheedy in like 10 years. I'm like, no, she's really good yeah. in this. Uh, and so, of course, I believe I she's Academy it. Award nominee, Ali wow. Sheedy, off of yeah. this. Yeah. Really? Okay. And Patricia yeah, this Clarkson. Is, uh, Lisa Cholodenko's first ish movie who mm. did uh, Kids Are All Right. Now I feel bad for not seeing it. Um, uh, it's I, about art ladies and lesbians. But I wasn't a very smart and sophisticated 
uh, kid at this point because I remember I could rate I could rent rated our movies and I would because the critics would tell me to I mean my friends would do this too like with this movie The Last Days of Disco we went and rented this and like turned it off after like 10 minutes yeah uh, the oh, last, you're missing out then. The last Days of Disco. I like this movie. The Last Days of Disco with Chloe Sevigny and Kate Beckinsale. Before disco, this country was a dancing wasteland. You know the Woodstock generation of the 1960s that were so full of themselves and conceited? None of those people could dance. I don't care. I don't want that element in the club. Okay, I work in advertising. Is that a crime? What's happening in this country? I have a very bad feeling about the clubs. It's like a meteorite is headed straight for it. It's going to destroy everything. Yeah, well, I don't think it'll be a meteorite. Sounds like if, if Woody Allen liked the 70s. Yes, actually, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's made by Whit Stillman, who also made uh, Cosmopolitan. He makes movies about upper class white people who are seriously up their own butts and too <laughs> over serious, having serious discussions about things that are important to them, but that actually aren't important at all, mm-hmm. which is the perfect disco in the late 70s is the perfect place for that. Wow. Yeah, totally. I don't know. So, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I No, so I actually really like this movie um, because you could say it's about women empowerment because Kate Beckinsale is basically like, you know, we we could we're like fancy rich white people. We could just marry other fancy rich white people. But first, let's go out and get some (laughs) like right on Kate. And you said it contains an important scene that I must endure, right? It's very important okay. if you're Chris because Kate Beckinsale's the more experienced girl and Chloe Sevigny's not very experienced. This might be the first thing I saw her in. Um, and she doesn't know how to talk to guys uh, to like set up sexy times. So <laughs> Kate Beckinsale tells her, no matter what he is into, say you find it sexy. And so in this scene, Robert Sean Leonard tells her his hobby, which is not sexy, and here is how she responds. There's something sexy about excuse me duck you really think so <laughs> see she's your dream woman chris dude but this wow. is like, i'm sorry it was not cool at that point ducktales had not premiered there had not been a mickey's christmas carol <laughs> and uh yeah <laughs> he was only talking about like one album and a bunch of comic books that guy's a total nerd i'm a cool ducktales fan sure i'm a cool excuse me duck fan Okay. There's also a scene with a, a very pointed uh, Marxist reading of Lady and the Tramp, I think you would like. That's on YouTube. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm sold on this. I need to give this another shot. Uh, but not this movie, just because I've seen it so many times, as, as in anybody who had HBO uh, the next summer would. Uh, Can't Hardly Wait, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ethan Embry, Lauren, Lauren Ambrose, uh, Peter Fasanelli. You're Italian. And Seth Green. <laughs> Robot Chicken Guy. This party tonight? Amanda suddenly being single? It's fate. Fate has opened me a window. So I got to have sex tonight. It took me all day, but I narrowed it down to a list of 10 very lucky finals. You know what I'm saying? Think there'll be any girls there? Are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. Can I pass away? Yeah! Can Hillside kiss my ass? Have you seen Amanda Beckett? God damn, that song. If you graduated in 98, uh, you heard the Third Eye Blind song graduates so fucking <laughs> much. Oh my God. Uh, I I don't know. I, I thought I had a lot of positive things to say about this movie, but I know it has to be like so John Hughesable. At this point, what do you mean? Um, a bunch of <laughs> pathetic dudes like whining about how they can't get laid. A bunch of people who I, th- I thought they were like important 
characteristics in are just kind of a wiener trope we don't really have anymore. No, you see, I was wondering about this. So I I watched most of this back in the day. Um, I think my boyfriend's younger sister really liked it. But I mean, I'm in college, so teenage movies is sort of like... Um, and I remember being like, oh, that's smarter than I thought it would be. So I started rewatching it just before the show. I was amazed at the economy of storytelling. It takes them yes. 10 minutes to get to that party. Yes. They've introduced all the huh. characters to the party. 10 minutes. Nice. And uh, I actually liked it because, yeah, if there are broad stereotypes. There's the jock asshole, the nerd who's been picked on, um, the guy who's, you know, the sensitive, nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it de- does a little deconstructing on those, especially Seth mm-hmm. Green. Yeah. Seth Green's character, because yep. he's such a, like, wannabe gangsta. And it just constantly is breaking down and falling apart until he starts having like heartfelt conversations, like who he is actually inside. That's yep. the only thing I remember about the movie because it kind of encapsulates the exact same way I feel about Superbad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hmm. yeah, they have a, a lot in common. They yeah, do. I mean, I just that, that, just that arc at least. There's actual. Yeah, but- female characters who That's have true. a heart in this one. I mean, I re- I rewatched it again. I mean, I saw it a million times cuz this was like 8th grade for me. Oh, so perfect was time for you then. Perfect. And the soundtrack, I mean, so I rewatched it. Was it was non-stop songs. That oh was my another God. thing. It's, it takes place at a party and so there is never a second where there aren't sound- songs on. I made it 40 minutes into the movie and there were two Smash Mouth songs. Two. <laughs> Two and, and two not Eve one six. replacement song, which they stole the title from. Two Eve Six songs, too. <laughs> one of there which are two Eve Six songs. Yes. Okay, you guys, that album was actually pretty good. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll get to <laughs> the, it. The the song that the movie opens with, I was really stoked to hear. Um, but yeah, no, I rewatched it too because I was kind of like, oh, is this one of those your faves are problematic things mm-hmm. again? Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's no? good. It's great. Yeah. I mean, like, it not really. Yet. I agree with Diana. Like it fully, it really does a great job. I think of like deconstructing a lot of these tropes um, and stereotypes, and um, really gives the female characters a good voice, uh, good yeah. representation, good storylines. Um, so, which is kind of uncommon during that time period, point, especially for teenage movies. In teenage movies, especially teenage movies about we're gonna get laid tonight. Yeah. Yeah. The women I mean, have a lot of agency in this movie, which sexual agency, which I was like yeah. really, really pleased to see. I was also yeah, hoping I, I want to compare this to American Pie, which we get <laughs> next too. year and has the same fucking font as the fucking logo. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So confusing. Yeah. I um I was hoping we would get a Seth Green hat trick this week because he's also in big business. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I don't think he's in any what? of the 2008 movies, but there that might would have be... been a Robot Chicken episode that premiered. You guys, <laughs> could, could we could have, have had a Seth Green hat trick. But um, also, this movie is great because it's got three people who were main characters in Six Feet Under. What well, I mm-hmm. know, yeah, Lauren Ambrose, of mm-hmm. course. Um, the guy who plays her boyfriend in the beginning, who's like the drug guy. Oh, who's awesome! And she like meets him when he's dead. He's like, some people just too much for yeah, life to handle. Yeah, he's the one that like wants to smoke the joint dipped in formaldehyde. Yes, yes, he's <laughs> in it. And then also the mortician assistant who comes in, Freddie Rodriguez. Yes, he's also in it as well. Yeah, goddamn. Oh, and there then are so so many people. It's like. Oh, I'm yeah. just now I'm now I'm just looking at the cast like okay uh 
Melissa Joan Hart is in there. Breck yep. and Meyer, speaking of robot chicken. So they've <laughs> and, known each other at least 20 years. And yeah. Donald Faison and Breck and Meyer. Eric Palladino, yeah. Eric Balfour, Selma Blair. Uh, yeah, Freddie Rodriguez, uh, Jason Siegel, Clea Duvall. Yeah. So I do not people. remember Jason Siegel in this. Yeah, he's there for like two minutes playing a stoner. <laughs> I know you're going to be shocked to hear that. Uh, Jerry O'Connell. There wasn't a lot of Is that that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, Jenna Elfman pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. It's great. So many people. All right, guys. You got me sold. I might have to revisit this instead of the comedy I already did revisit and might revisit the rest of tonight. Um, Oh, my goodness. Meet Mitch Weaver. Hey, that's my shirt. In the game of life, he's losing his shirt. Ah! You're not fit to wear this shirt. Mitch can't hold a job. You're fired. You get a horse and live in the mountains someplace. Don't bother anybody. <laughs> Got a personality like a dead moth. Mitch is no good at relationships. I'm through wasting my life with you. Note to self, <laughs> making love to blow-up dolls, not as good as advertised. Mitch lacks people skills. Hey, that was really funny, sicking the cops on us like that. I thought it was funny, but I'm surprised you guys did because uh, you got your asses kicked. I guess I showed you the thing or two about dirty work. But there is one thing Mitch Weaver is good at. You are the king of revenge. We should open a revenge for hire business. Yeah, dirty work. Norm MacDonald. Uh, I feel like we talked about this, and I tried to go back and see, wait, I don't know that we did. At so, least since February, we've not talked about not, this. Again, I'm not even getting a plug out. We just talked about we talked about this for another reason on Laser Time. We just did our best of Norm Macdonald episode, um, huh. which is one of my favorite episodes of this year of Laser Time. If you listen to one, listen to that one. Um, it's really fucking funny because it's all about how fucking weird Norm Macdonald is. Uh, this movie stars Norm Macdonald, Jack Warden, Don Rickles, Artie Lang, Chevy Chase, and if I may. I think we can go ahead and just let's. Can we please, instead of almost heroes, call this the final performance of Chris Farley? Okay, sure. Okay, settle down, prostitutes. Oh wait, sorry, that was my favorite line from the movie. Oh. <laughs> there's Mitch, and there's the Saigon whore that bit my nose off. <laughs> I cannot laugh at Chris Farley. God damn, I did not get enough of that man. Uh, I really like this movie, and I understand its flaw. You just watched it, yeah. <laughs> this movie's hot garbage. <laughs> it's it's hot garbage in the same way that, like, yeah, I think any Adam Sandler movie from this era, it's like this loosely this horrible plot loosely strung together to uh, put together these like three or four genuinely funny things. Except that, like, in terms of a Norm Macdonald movie. It's a really good Norm Macdonald movie. If you're a big fan of Norm Macdonald, he does the notes to self. He talks to the camera. Yeah. Uh, he, he he breaks the fourth wall. I don't know. I think, I, I love that about this movie. It's the only movie Norm Macdonald will ever star in. Oh, you're definitely a far bigger Norm Macdonald fan than I am. Oh, but I do great. think that People like I- wrong. It's okay. I understand his voice, definitely. And I feel like I hear way more of Bob Saget's voice and point of view in this. And that Dude, uh, he's not funny. <laughs> well, you get you just get this like I don't know. I call it like the Vancouver comedy. This like overly clean, everything in sharp focus. Nothing's really punctuated or shot particularly interestingly, mm-hmm. and the yes. jokes are made the least interesting they can be. Yes, uh, because because of that. And there's but it still has a scene that stands out because they just had Don Rickles come on set one day and just like make fun of people. Literally, the <laughs> best part of that movie when he tells him to go buy a 
whores. Yeah. Like, yes. Go buy God, a horse I love and live Don in the woods. Don't bother anybody. I love him so much. And that's but, I use that line in the Norm Macdonald because behind the scenes was that like that was just real and like he's like, what are you laughing at? Oh, what are you laughing at, Mitch? What are you laughing at, Norm? He's like, ah, it's just laughing because you're talking to his belly. <laughs> and like I, to me, that's the cutest Norm line in the whole movie. I mean, I think one of the problems with this movie though is that they. There's funny people in it, no doubt. I mean, Norm Macdonald, like you said, David Koechner's in it. He's like... Dude, Jack Warden. Love him. Love Jack Warden. But they're not comedic actors. Mm. The only comedic actor I would say that's in here is Chris Farley, and he's great in it. In like the 10 minutes he's in the film. Right, exactly. Every, <laughs> I mean, the timing is not good. It's just... Mm. Sorry, guys. No, I'm just saying, if you're a Norm Macdonald fan, the movie will like... Yeah, this isn't great. It's 20 years removed, mm-hmm. but it's like... It's a decent Norm Macdonald movie, I think, written by him and uh, Fred Wolf, if I'm not mistaken. I'm glad I watched it. I, I, I revisit it about once every five years. It, more than that would not be as funny, but like I'm just that much of a Norm Macdonald fan. And you think we talked about a lot about the movies, but there's, again, nothing to say about TV. Uh, in, 2000, in 1998, uh, June 8th to the 14th, except for this is the most interesting thing I saw. Um, I never heard of... Invasion America, which uh, debuted on the WB in on June eighth, it was a Steven Spielberg produced adult primetime sci fi animated miniseries. What? Right, what? like in like they even brag about it in the commercial. Coming to the WB, a six part miniseries event this summer. The invasion begins. Primetime Television's first-ever animated dramatic miniseries debuts on the WB with a special two-night movie premiere, Invasion America. And the frogs came out and said something, but, like, I didn't have the WB. I never, I've never heard of this, and I would say it's gone, but it is preserved in pristine quality on YouTube in full. And it's just, I'm a big cartoon nerd. I'm shocked this doesn't happen more. And I guess this is yeah. why. This is one of the examples that like a studio exec will fall back on. Invasion America didn't work. Because it's kind of exactly what you think it is. Aliens come down and invade Earth and humans fight them off, blah, blah, blah. I, from what I've read, and like none of the critics were very kind to it. But like a limited animated series with high production value, why can't that exist in a modern network era? Fucking blows my mind that like no one wants to embark on something like that. Yeah, not I agree. Thank you, Die. Not everything's going to be producers. Get off your asses. Not everything's going to be family dog. Um, but anyway, June June eighth, uh, forgive and forget airs in syndication. A talk show I had never heard of, uh, hosted by Mother Love, later replaced by Robin Givens. Oh, I remember Mother Love. Yeah, she uh, she was eventually fired, but this is just a show where like people come on with grievances and decide whether to forgive and forget whoever they have them against a very uh, a very syndicated talk show. I'll say that. Uh, on June 11th. Oh, it's cheap as hell. <laughs> on June 11th, man, the preview channel's corporate owners uh, have perhaps made the most important useless acquisition in history. Does everybody, hey, 90s kids, do you remember the preview channel? Oh. Yep. Ooh, the horrifying Vaguely? way you had to find out what was on other channels <gasps> by waiting for... The scrolling TV guide on your television, basically. That's right, but oh, it wasn't okay. called the TV guide no. because these corporate overlords, the preview channel, hadn't purchased TV Guide magazine. Mm-hmm. At this point, they mm-hmm. would and eventually rebrand this preview channel into the TV Guide channel, which it was up until somewhat recently. I believe it's now the pop channel. And yes, you better believe some maniac 
captured on VHS, that transition. It's on YouTube where you can watch oh the preview channel God. kick over to a new channel. It's still the same thing. It's still a scroll of what's on other channels. Wow. I, uh, but it just seems like so bizarre at this point that there was a channel whose sole guide was to direct you to other channels, but still ran ads. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess. It actually is a genius. I mean, it made it made sense back then, but just like, yeah. Jesus Christ. like I utilized it. I know, so did I. Just remember, oh, yeah. how, like, I remember once we got more than fifty channels, it was so fucking agonizing. It would That's take like true. three or four minutes. Like, get to what's on Comedy Central. What a funny problem. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't selectable like your guide on your TV no. now. You had to be like, oh wait, wait, oh oh no. Well, where is Family Feud on? Uh, forty three oh. zero four three. Yep. I, got, I got to wait for it to loop back around again. Yeah, Shit, God, I missed it. God forbid you have a sneezing ah. fit. <laughs> Yeah, and if your we're not channels being going by. Clear about it's it. All the sports channels. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Comcast has like forty music channels. Stop. No. But oh God, it, yeah, music the, choice. <laughs> yeah, before your TV always told you what exactly was on. There was one channel that, like, like a slow moving credit scene. That that was the only way you could dynamically figure out what was on, unless you save that TV guide insert. Um, and here's some. This is actually more notable to me. Because we all watched Family Matters. Uh, Reluctantly. Family Matters. I, I don't know. I, my love for that show grows when I end up seeing clips. I know it's got its terrible moments. Uh, but I have no affection for this. You keep, lo- you keep lumping me in with everyone. Loves <laughs> no. It is beloved. No, some of us did not. It is beloved. And now that, um, now that the Cosby show is gone, it has to see it as the best African-American sitcom of all time. Sorry. Yeah. Better than... No. Fresh, what about what's happening? <laughs> oh, yeah, Hanging with Mr. Cooper? No, it had it had some stat. It is the the lo- second longest running behind the Jeffersons. Uh. No, now a third longest running behind Tyler Perry's House of Something. House of Pain. Uh, but that's mm. not important. Family Matters, we all watched it, right? Yes. We all watched the terrible example of Urkel pursuing Laura, uh, mm-hmm. constantly pursuing uh, Laura, his, his crush, his soulmate, who uh, was always unrequited. Mm-hmm. And I love... Love when she apologized to him once. He's like, I'm wearing you down, baby. I'm wearing well, you down. Unrequited, except for when he became cool guy. Right. Uh, Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel. Of course. So we remember all that, but we what some of us don't remember. I was not watching the show at this point. It had been canceled by ABC, kind of, sort of, and moved over to CBS, along with Step by Step, who would try and run its own TGIF comedy block with these two kind of waning shows. So I didn't really see the season um, where this happened. Steve had been pursuing Laura for so long. And in this episode, Pocapalooza, that aired on June 12th, um, he invites Laura to a polka festival. I know what you're thinking. Uh, she's going to hate it because it does seem like the oddest place for Laura. To, but no, she ends up having a great time. And like Steve turns out to be like this fucking this magician in everyone's life at the polka festival. He's been teaching dancing on the sides and raising money. And she just starts looking at him like, man, this motherfucker. I, <laughs> I know I had a thing for Stefan Urkel, but like this, I swear, like I, this is a big deal because we all watch Family Matters. You probably never saw this episode. Uh, this is what happens at the end as they share a polka dance. Steve? Oh? It was funny. You had to drag me down here, but having one of the best times of my life. That's the magic of polka. <laughs> Lara? Hmm? 
love you. Steve? Oh? I love you too. They dance to black. After nine years, Laura is Sarah's miserable. Laura is officially <laughs> in love with not Stefan oh. or Kel, with Steve Urkel, and that's how the show kind of goes to an end. There was supposed to be a tenth season that would follow their relationship a little closer. But I is that shocking to anybody who knows? Hey, what? she did not say that she's in love with him. That's she right. She loved him. No one fucking makes that distinction. They're going home together. Ugh. They're going home together. Mm-hmm. Laura loves Steve. Uh, anyway, fine. June twelfth. You'll want to talk about this one, Di, because I, I don't know why. we don't, I think this means we don't have to talk about him for a while, because we've talked about him since the beginning of 302010. <sighs> <laughs> I wish we never had to talk about Geraldo again, but the show <laughs> Geraldo, starring Geraldo Rivera, that was syndicated afternoons, uh, somewhere between a news and a talk show, uh, finally ends after 11 seasons. Good fucking riddance, you trash heap. I don't know. I, I, I swear, Di, I go back and forth between hating and liking Geraldo. I really, really? do. He, well, he's a huckster. Yeah. Uh, and I guess he's he's good at that. But, I mean, the Geraldo show was, I mean, it's not what Jerry Springer was doing, mm-hmm. but because it tried to have this veneer of news on it where it's like, you know, we're going to have uh, drug-addicted prostitutes in your neighborhoods <laughs> today on Geraldo. And, and, you know, famously having the Klan come on, uh, goading them into having a fight, So, and then he broke his nose. Um, but that kind of shit, yeah. that he's like such a fucking loser. Like, he's always wanted, like, a, the goddamn Muppets. He's always trying to put on the perfect show for people <laughs> and ends up getting shit smeared in his face at the time. Doesn't find anything in Al Capone's vault. Oh, Doesn't get yeah. anything out of Charles Manson. Been on Fox News, I think, for the last 15 years, and we can't name one thing he's ever done. Got his nudes leaked. Got his, he did. Yeah, those, I think so. Wasn't there a thing where he, like, was sending... You know those look fantastic. Yeah, he does, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, like, a topless photo of him being like, hey, I'm, like, 70. And it's like, wow, that's very impressive. Honestly, and that's... Maybe you should do a little bit of less less of that and a little bit more uh, not being a terrible person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's a body type. I can live up to at my age. Please give me this. Uh, but goodbye, Geraldo. It's just... I don't know. It's just odd that like you see him on TV and like we're not saying your last name. <laughs> no yeah. one's saying your last name, Geraldo. We know who you are. Yeah, <laughs> you might as well be a musician. You're gonna have one name for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah, you made uh, that choice long ago, brother. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, and stuff uh, I don't care about. June 14th, the NBA Finals occurred. The Chicago Bulls beat the Utah Jizz. Um, <laughs> you'll never guess who the MVP was. Horace Grant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> And I wouldn't be able to name that many Bulls if it wasn't for NBA Jam. It was Michael Jordan. It's uh, so funny to me that the the Utah basketball team is the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. Yeah. The least jazziest place in the world. <laughs> I know it's because yes. they came from New Orleans originally, mm-hmm. but well, so silly. Basketball is a good description in the opening. Um, I believe it's their sixth championship in eight years. I did give a shit about the Bulls at this point because they were like impossible not to watch because they were fucking on sure. fire. Uh, yeah. But also on June 16th, uh, the Red Wings beat the Washington Capitals in the Stanley Cup. Jesus. Uh, any more on the sports? Nope. Diana with the sports. I should just throw to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally just went through every single year. It's like, all right, let's get the NBA finals. Was anything interesting? Let's get the Stanley Cup. Anything interesting? Let's get the Super Bowl. Anything interesting? Oh, I don't want to talk. I find to- it such a pain in the ass, though, that the NBA 
and NHL play at the same time because they all play in the same like buildings. Yeah, that's so fucked up because like when we were stagger it, you bastards, (laughs) because usually at this point we would be at E3 and outside in the Staples Center, there's like the LA teams are like the richest and so always the fucking best. And like they're. The Lakers and the who's the Kings or whoever the fuck mm-hmm. the, the hockey team is like there's constantly a final happening as we're trying to get in our plane and leave our precious video game convention. <laughs> um, it's horrible. <laughs> anyway, like uh, well, I got to get into games real quick and I might talk a little bit. Um, go for it. Yeah, games. Nineteen ninety eight. Can I get a snack? I'll go get a snack. No, don't get a snack. <laughs> I want you. I want, I want you to hear this and make sure. Cut me off if it's getting too overly long. But it's something I love so very dearly. Because this finally came uh, to PS1 in America. X-Men versus Street Fighter! Woo! This is a big deal for so many reasons. If you were a gamer, if you were a nerd, if you like Street Fighter, if you like X-Men, if you like Marvel. One, I want to highlight it as in like Marvel Universe in full swing. Everybody's seen Infinity War at this point. If you're, if you're just a fan of the Marvel movies, you forget how big a deal the fucking X-Men were. That when Capcom came time to make a game with... Marvel characters, it was first only the X-Men, none of which, all of which are owned by Marvel, none of which are in any of the biggest movies in the world. It's fucking depressing. Mm -hmm. It's fucking depressing. Uh, And also, I'm sure everyone here has heard of Marvel versus Capcom. Mm -hmm. Uh, That didn't happen first. This is the first combination of Marvel and Capcom characters, and it was on a much lower scale, but some would call it the best. And in a world where arcade games were like, you never knew when they were coming out. You'd get in there and they would blow your fucking mind with like... The intro screen is Cyclops shaking hands with Ryu. Blew our fucking minds. Like two of our favorite <laughs> characters meeting in a different world uh, to fight each other to death. It was fucking awesome. It was awesome. And you always dreamed of, and this is something that doesn't exist anymore, of the arcade perfect port. And I do believe X-Men versus Street Fighter managed to achieve that on the Sega Saturn. And it only could do that with a four megabyte RAM expansion pack. And at Capcom said, look, this is exclusive Japan. We're not porting it over. So the so Americans were like, there's no X-Men versus Street Fighter that'll ever come out. I'm like, no, we didn't say that. You're going to get a shittier version that can't do as much, can't have tag rounds, and we're going to cut out a bunch of frames. And you're going to get a lesser version, but this is like the hope that we like people will be able to play this on their home console. So if you were a Marvel and Capcom nerd, like this was super exciting. And this is the first Marvel versus Capcom game, effectively. Uh, even though it's like two years old, this is just the PS1 release, but I'm not going to be able to talk about it again. In fact, it looks like uh, by your reactions, you want me to stop talking about it no, right now. No, keep going. No, 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 no I'm done. But X-Men vs. Street Fighter hits PS1 and is not all that remarkable. Get the Saturn one if you can, and you can't. It's too expensive. I feel like the X-Men would uh, destroy the Street Fighters. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, they both seem to have access to the same amount of magic and inv- <laughs> invulnerability powers. Yeah, I mean, I know the Street Fighter characters all have like different magic y type things they do, but I mean, calling down the weather on somebody, I feel like eh, that's a little bit better than your spinny kick, dude. <laughs> Come on, they got fireballs and projectiles. Some of them can move faster than the speed of light. Thousand hand slap? Come on. Anyway, this, mm. is, this is where it all begins. And hopefully, the Marvel vs. Capcom crossovers are not over. Uh, I hold out hope. But that is it for uh, June 8th to the 14th, 1998. Okay, I'm going to close out because it didn't get that much justice in the actual movie. The replacements can't hardly wait. It's a fucking awesome song, and I think it's, you can barely hear it in the, mo- the movie over like a bunch of people chugging beer. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back with 2008, June 8th to the 14th.
Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. My ex-girlfriend like text, how's your day going? Like, well, I shit in the kitchen. Um <laughs> I was wondering, because it, unless it's coming out of both ends, that's typically, yeah. that's the sign that it's food poisoning. So it that, was, that's, that's, that's when it was official. Like, I was like, I've thrown up five times in a row. The last time was like mostly all blood. I don't have health insurance here. So I don't have the option of not anything other than hoping this is going to get better uh, on its own. So I just try and go back to bed. And of course, I wake up and like, it's, it's, go, it's happening again from the other end. And I get on there and it's just full... Jeff Daniels, Dumb and Dumber, hold on mm-hmm. to the side of the bowl. My legs are in the air. And you just get that feeling like it's coming up the other way. I don't know. Like, you ever seen those kids who can stack cups really fast? Like, what, <laughs> yes. what's the fastest way I can get my pants down, flush the toilet? But I, I got to start the toilet flushing first so it's all the way done by the time I start projectile puking into the... Ugh. So at the same time, the exact same, like, five convulsing, like, ha! <laughs> Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of June 8th through the 14th, two really solid recommends I can't wait to start talking about. So let's start 50 years ago this week. June 12th, 1968 saw the release of one of the scariest movies in which nothing much happens. Rosemary's Baby, starring Mia Farrow, directed by... Roman Polanski. I don't know what I can say about this movie to sell it to you if you haven't seen it already, except that it's a very good paranoid thriller, even if you know what's going on and you know who the bad guys probably are. It's it's very atmospheric and it's a very slow build to finding out, oh, maybe they are out to get you. And then... 25 years before that, going back 75 years to 1943, June 10th, 1943, saw the release of The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp, which I had heard about for so long, but I just never got around to. And then when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, why did why did I put this off again? Because like that title kind of makes me go like, well, so it's about like a jerk, I guess. And that's kind of where it starts. It starts out uh, during World War II, which, of course, it was at the time in England um, with, you know, this sort of big, dumb, blustering sort of guy. And it's like, Ugh, have you ever been in charge of men? Like, you're just such a big, dumb dork. How do you even get through life? And then it flashes back and you see his life through the Boer War, World War One, World War Two. where no, he wasn't always Colonel Blimp. He was, you know, a different guy. And he had all these very interesting adventures. And it all sort of leads to where the whole film started and gorgeous cinematography that lush technicolor that uh, I don't know. They just Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, the the two directors, they just, I don't know what they were doing, but th- their movies have a very distinct look. And uh, those are my two recommendations, life and death of Colonel Blimp and Rosemary's baby. 
maybe not watch them together, or maybe do. Maybe it's a theme. I don't know. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with Got Money off of uh, the Carter the Third, the Carter the Third by uh, Lil Wayne. This uh, who's this featuring? It's featuring somebody. Featuring T Pain. Duh. Duh. I just, uh, but that's that's two thousand eight. Tallahassee native T Pain. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, is that where he gets his name from? Tallahassee Pain. Uh, <laughs> new releases uh, June eighth to uh, the fourteenth, two thousand eight. Um, we have Flavors of Entanglement by Alanis Morissette, Here We Stand by The Fratellis, uh, Seeing Things by Jacob Dylan, Evil Urges by My Morning Jacket, Seeing Sounds by N.E.R.D., Definition of Real by Piles, and No Introduction, uh, this, and No Introduction, the studio debut of Tiga. Lollipop by Lil Wayne is still number one. I think that's Plies. P- wait, which one? Under def- definition, definition Plies, of real. Plies, my bad. Someone else should read this. I like. I'm not going to know anything about music. <laughs> Sorry, from I don't know if it's, it's going to um, be Plies. I was like Plies, like the ballet. Honestly, thing, I don't know, but I know it's not. Listeners, piles. what's funnier, spelling it out phonetically and me saying it correctly, or fucking it up? Like, I'll say with fucking it up and not give a shit. Well, piles <laughs> is another term for piles. hemorrhoids. So. <laughs> Um, But that's 2008 in a nutshell. How about that? Uh, A little bit of music there to bring you in. News of 2008. uh, This is probably important, right, Diana? She's usually Mm. never tell me how. You you were working in the news biz at this point, right? Uh, No. No, actually, I wasn't. I was out of the news biz for a little bit. Okay. Um, But the National Review posts uh, to its blog, Rumors Candidate Barack Obama was not born in the U.S. Several days later, the Obama uh, campaign releases a scan of his birth certificate. And it was uh, never mentioned again. <laughs> I, I did he do this twice? I feel like yeah. I remember him having he to produce to, it twice. I mean, he released his birth certificate, and then folks like Trump jump in. Uh, he started in 2011 after part of his first run at president, which you know, one of those other little lies of his is like, "I won the first time I ran." It's like, no, you ran several times. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so they're like, well, you should release a long form birth certificate. So they do. And then they're like, that's not good enough. It's like, well, what the fuck do you want? Not you want a time enough. machine? I want a stamp that says not Muslim on it. They do that on birth certificates, don't they? Right. Also, his mom was a U.S. citizen. So if she gave <laughs> yes. birth to him in Kenya, he'd still be American, you <laughs> yes. stupid bastards. Uh. <laughs> I have opinions. Uh. Oh, it's so much fun to live in this country. Um Movies of 2008. Man, mm. I, I think I watched this while trying to get really high because I thought it was, that's what it was for. Visioneers with Zach Galifianakis, Judy Greer, and uh, James Legros. It, it has a very intriguing um, uh, trailer. Mm. But it's a, it's, yeah. I remember being a little slow moving, but like this point where Zach Galifianakis is like this big fucking star and making interesting ass choices. 
I was like, yeah, I'll fucking watch this. It, was, it came straight to Netflix, but I'll check this out. And I don't remember a goddamn thing. Um, it's yeah, it was hard to find any part of the trailer that would explain it, mm-hmm. but it seems um, that you know he's just sort of a working guy at this shitty working job, and there's everything's just very depressing. And sometimes people get so depressed they literally explode. <laughs> it's like a, I remember it feeling like a cool. cheap Terry Gilliam movie. Um, yeah. This movie, yeah, I, this movie, I definitely saw. Oh my Oof, god! Me too. John Leguizamo, <laughs> Zoe Deschanel, Mark Wahlberg, and the Redemption for M Night Shyamalan, Ding Dong. This is the happening is happening. It's some kind of attack. First stage is loss of speech. Claire. Claire? The second stage is physical disorientation. The third stage is fatal. Are spreading Boston, Philadelphia, Maryland. It's all over. This will never do this trailer justice. Watch the unrated version that shows a bunch of people silently killing themselves. Oh my god! Like climbing inside of a lawnmower. It is <laughs> just both laughable and disturbing at the same time, yeah. which is ugh, I think it's weird I think combo. It's fucking laughable. because it, it was this chill- movie is hilarious. It's, it's, it's so, so bad. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, and how do, how do you describe the premise of it, Diana, without spoiling it? Which we'll totally do. I was going to say. you shouldn't see it. <laughs> so people just start randomly committing suicide. Like people just, a bunch of construction workers just walk off a building and die. Or a guy yeah, lays down in front of a lawnmower or climbs into a lion's cage at the zoo. And just people start killing themselves. And they're like... What's happening? I, I love and it. They, Mark Wahlberg in what might be his worst performance ever. Yes. Oh, it's the Marky Markiest. And I'll only repeat my impression because I didn't know I could do one. And I did it while interviewing the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys. And they laughed and agreed. Because yeah. just in like a basic screenwriting class, he's the hero. And he makes right. no decisions at any point as the leader of as the fucking protagonist of this film. And my impression was... I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Okay, <laughs> like maybe we should go over there and take shelter. I don't know. Maybe that's not just such a good idea. I'm like, you're the guy. You're the hero. Tell people what to do. Like, say which way we're going. Never so does. Him, him and his wife Zoe Deschanel have like she might be cheating on him, and they spend a lot of time on that for no reason. Oh, while I they totally forgot about start that. Start just sort of traveling. I like. Are they traveling with intent or just maybe we should get out of the cities? Okay. Um. <laughs> Everything he yeah. says starts with maybe. Like you fucking wiener, I would cheat on you. <laughs> Make a decision. I don't want to pick where we eat tonight. Oh God, it's that Sorry, is. I'm the projecting. Worst. I'm projecting. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they end up in the middle of nowhere uh, with this lady, this crazy lady in her house, um, which th- has some of my favorite stuff in a bad movie ever. Mark Wahlberg, like, li- there's a point where she's like, "You're trying to steal all my stuff." He's like, "What? No, I, I wouldn't do that." It's like this is the worst lying I have ever seen. And you're not supposed to be lying. You're supposed to be telling the truth, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> what? What direction did you get? Maybe I wouldn't say that, okay? Maybe, <laughs> it's, this movie uh, is... F- 
fucking ridiculous. And that's before like a kid gets shot in the head. This is, oh, yeah. This is, it's just such a wonderful film. It was like M. Night Shyamalan's going to redeem himself by making an R rated movie. I'm like, I think The Sixth Sense was R. Okay, so but, remind me, redeem himself from what? I think most Lady of the, the village water? and Lady in the Water. Okay, okay. I'm just trying to remember the timeline. The village, here. I walked in the theater, I'm like, it's the present day. It's the present day, and like, and like, that would be fine. The journey would be fine yeah. if it wasn't all building to that wasn't the destination, yeah. and there was something else to it. Like they, oh, we'll fight it back against the camp counselors with cell phones, but they, <laughs> that wasn't what happened. <laughs> I think the Lady in Water is a fucking fascinating movie that I've watched like three times because it's just that one I've fun. never seen. It's, it's such a mess. Yeah, mm. but it's 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 crazy, but it's watchable. This movie is fucking terrible. It's so bad. So I saw it in the theaters with oh god yeah with my friend my best friend Laura mm-hmm. hi Laura and she and I went through this weird phase I don't know why it started but this is why it ended where we would go see every Maki Mock film that came out in theaters <laughs> I don't know why I again I don't know how it started but I do remember the the two films that we saw were Max Payne. Oh, wow. Why? I wow. don't know. I've never played a video game in my life. It's one of the better video game adaptations, and it's still like fucking oh, terrible. Oh, you are. No, no, it is, this one. it is No, it is. It is. Not. <laughs> well, not, not in terms of its source material, but like as a video game movie, like this is not. Diana, even you've seen like Blood Rain. We'll get into this on another show. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to drive us off topic. But this was the one that ended that idea for us. We're like, you know what? I think we're good on Mocky Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we need to see any more of and this. I, I do love like the stupidity because we did watch this trailer. Like I'm, we were in an office of dorks. We were watching the trailer together at each other's desk. Like, fuck, look at that dude. He just killed himself. Like, and then just, but the idea, like, why is everybody mindlessly killing themselves, but in the most creatively awesome way possible? Right, right. How do they have the wherewithal? Like, must make this look rad. must show up in sizzle reel like (laughs) hope this makes the trailer (laughs) and uh i don't know i feel like we should uh, we should spoil the end of it because no one should see it i know we should do like paper rock scissors so you could who who can spoil what is the culprit of all of this i don't know give it to diana she'll yeah you'll do the best i can do it in one word Mm -hmm. do it trees 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 the trees are killing us. The trees us. are mad at us, so they start releasing something that makes us kill ourselves. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, to thin us out a little bit and make us realize, like, we should apologize to the trees. I call it sad pollen. Which just seems like a pretty compl- complicated way to do it when they could just, like, I don't know, yeah. stop hey, producing oxygen. Well, trees, we took all the water. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> uh, this movie is so fucking stupid. I, I can't tell because I watched it twice with a room full of people and just guffawing. And I think I think M Night Shyamalan that weekend, like, no, I did that. I did that on purpose to make people laugh. And like, oh yeah, that's right. You no, he liar. was like, this you liar. Was, this was meant to be a B movie. Mm-hmm. Really? You liar. Really? That's what. That's mm. you're right. That is what he said. Yes. But he, he, Man, yeah, this movie's fucking terrible. Because after I watched it, that I kind of got obsessed with it. Like, what was this? Why? <laughs> I never thought yeah. I'd talk about it again. Same here. Oh. Oh. Yeah, who put money in this? Who thought this was a good idea? Who read the script and said, Mark, we got we got a great script for you here. Who said, I am your agent, and you should definitely give me money. Who said Zoe Deschanel 
do drama. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is like the last time an M. Night Shyamalan script got like automatically greenlit to yeah. anything. Like you're going to make an Avatar movie first to pay for your debts. He's clawing his way back. I don't know. I liked Split. I, yeah, I fucking love Split. Yeah. And he's getting that Unbreakable sequel like 20 I years know. too late. But like, The only reason why I watched Split. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I didn't. I read the spoiler and I had this great ability to make myself forget about things. Oh, and good. I, at the very end, I'm like, oh, I remember what I forgot. This is awesome. Yeah, that's the good. Uh, can I? So, Marky Mark. Marky Mark. That's his name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a bad actor, right? Because he's good in the Departed. So. That's the best I've ever seen. Right? Him. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Be it's good. just the one then, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But he. Oh, he Boogie Nights. He doesn't seem to try all that much anymore. Yeah, but it's like, what does he do in Boogie Nights that anybody? I don't know. Like, I don't see. Uh, I don't see him playing. Maybe he, I'm he just giving him credit for ha- being in a good. No, movie. I think I do think if I st- stood far back and thought about it for too long, mm. I love Boogie Nights. I love The Departed. Mm-hmm. There is no reason we shouldn't still call him Marky Mark because he's not the greatest actor <laughs> in the, the universe. Total and, of his work, and yeah. he's been but. He, but he, He's been able to behave like he is and like star and shit like he is. And, and like, say he would have stopped 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> <Shit like laughs> just stabbing a dude in the eye. Sure. Just for being Asian. Look at oh, our people. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Jesus. We, okay. uh, we're He's getting off good. track. we got to close <laughs> out the, the, the movie segment uh, with the real depressing movie. Edward Norton, <laughs> Liv Tyler, William Hurt, and the forgotten uh, piece of the MCU puzzle. I've got a problem. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. See you shrink. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Bruce, trust me when I tell you I've heard them all. Not this one. We've never seen anything even close to your levels of exposure. That you survived an event like that. It's beyond my comprehension. I don't want to control it. I want to get rid of it. As far as I'm concerned, that man's whole body is property of the U.S. Army. Just say the Hulk, man. <laughs> nope. That's our only no returning character. No one's going to say it. It's the only returning character to the MCU. Uh, Jim Thunderbolt Ross, played by William Hurt, eventually reappeared in Civil War after 2008's The Incredible Hulk. Oh, um, I would uh-huh. say a valiant... And we don't even really use these words that much anymore, and they're not really pejorative. Sequel reboot. They wanted to ignore the efforts of Ang Lee's weird ass 2003 Eric Bono Hulk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they this is set in a universe where like that all happened, and there's no origin story. Not unlike Spider Man Homecoming. And oh, I should we should say that we just talked about Iron Man. We have one piece of the puzzle in the MCU and the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point, right? This is the second one. Okay. And Robert Downey Jr. shows up at the end of this film to tell him, like, yo, Sam Jackson just said we're starting a group called the Avengers. Post-credits or at the end? Post-credits. Okay. And, like, this movie wasn't doing so hot, so, like, they spoiled it in the trailers within, like, a week. Whoa. So the TV, the TV spot. So, like, you could just be watching TV and you'd see Robert Downey Jr. in the the Hulk TV spot. Okay. But I had read about this and I didn't think they were going to actually be able to do it, but that was fucking mind-blowing. But as far as... A Hulk movie goes, man, I'm going to piss off some Marvel fans here. I don't think this movie is, I don't hate it, yeah. but I've never felt the need to rewatch it again. And no one has ever gone to bat for it and like, no, you should do it again. You should check out The Incredible Hulk. You missed out on all this nuance. Like, no, it just, 
it was a pretty good way of keeping this character alive in the zeitgeist. And as far as I could read about it, Kevin Feige was pretty upfront. Like, no, we actually like kind of legally had to do this movie to get Hulk in the Avengers. Into the Avengers, yeah. <clears throat> because hmm. uh, Universal, and this is a Universal movie, still owns the rights to solo Hulk films. This is so complicated. But Marvel at this point had Marvel Studios, so they were financing this movie. But Universal still had the Hulk rights to uh, the rights to a solo Hulk movie, uh, so they were distributing it. Uh, it's weird and dumb and complicated, but you now have a really fun Hulk. And I'm, this is what might piss Marvel. I love the Hulk. I've read a ton of Hulk comics. I have a ton of Hulk stories that I like. I don't know of a famous Hulk story. Hulk works better when someone's fighting him, mm. or in a non-action, non-cinematic kind of way. Like Banner works best when like he's he's look like kind of lost his powers or something weird is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the way he's treated in the movies now. Like he pops up, does some amazing shit. I really like the Hulk and um, the modern movies. But like this did not help Hulk's um, facelift. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I will. I'll go to bat for this movie. Not that it's definitely not essential. Uh, you know, you can skip it if you're doing an MCU rewatch. It's an easy skip because they pretty much throw out everything that they had in this movie. We never get to hear about Liv Tyler again. They they tease a bad guy coming up. Uh, we never get bother with any of that stuff. Dude, I, all I can remember actors. All I can remember is Tim Blake Nelson on the floor smiling mm-hmm. into the camera as his head swells and like. Oh, that's going to be leader. <gasps> never. Even though like never, mentioned, never again. mentioned again. And sorry, keep going, D. It's I think it's really well made actually. I mean, it's directed by Louis Leterrier, uh who did The Transporter. Mm-hmm. Fucking um, fantastic movie. Yeah, Transporter and Transporter 2, and now you see me and Unleashed, you know, he's an action guy. And so a lot of the action in this I think is really good. I think one of my favorite parts there's a part where Tim Roth is uh, some sort of mercenary or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Hulk's gone nuts in this university and Tim Roth's taken, they've given him some sort of super soldier, whatever. And so he's like running way faster than everyone else. And Hulk just flicks him off pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just, it's nicely done. It's got like good energy to it. Uh, and I like, I like a lot of the, you know, um, I like Edward Norton's nervousness. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a different kind of nervousness than uh, Mark Ruffalo has, but there's, there's a huge chunk of the movie takes place in Brazil with him hiding yes. and trying yeah. to work on a cure. I like that And a that lot of that, his, his edgy nervousness that's always there, it's like, yeah, I like it. Yeah, and they, they said they leaned on, and I couldn't believe this, like the TV series. So now we mm. get to mention Lou Ferrigno on three episodes in a row. <laughs> Cross it off your 302010 hey! bingo card. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno uh, hat trick. They use the song, but it's like that show had like this littlest hobo format. There's got to be a better way to describe this format. Guy <laughs> travels to town, change the townspeople in some way. It's an anthology uh, show. Okay. With, there's never the same cast. But that's what the Incredible Hulk show was. Yeah. Dude travels from town to town. And that's what this movie is for almost all of it. I like what you were saying, Di, though, about uh, Edward Norton's energy, because I was just thinking about that, because I actually kind of rewatched parts of this recently, because my husband, God bless him, is a completionist, and so he is Mm -hmm. doing the whole MCU rewatch, and he won't skip things, so we just kind of, I sort of rewatched this with him. You sort of have two TVs. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think the difference, too, 
is with the like energy of the two actors between Mark Ruffalo and and Edward Norton is that Mark Ruffalo gives off of more of a downtrodden anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yeah. even when he became becomes the Hulk, you still feel like you could kind of like Ed Norton. Come on, big guy. Like, don't squash me to death. Whereas Ed Norton kind of gives off a crazy anxiety. He could, he could never he be could funny. Be in crazy, the, yeah. He could yeah. never be funny in the Avengers movies. Yeah, never. no, exactly. Never. I'm glad he didn't come back. And uh, yeah, the story behind yeah. that is like, and I don't know how it happened, but um, they had they had contractually, I believe the same writer from the Ang Lee Hulk on, and they hired Ed Norton, and something in his contract was like, you can also have a screenwriting credit. And I don't know why they, he, Ed Norton has written some stuff, but like not that much. And like, I guess Marvel was young enough to take a chance. He, Norton is a capable screenwriter. Let me just say that. Uh, what's that stupid preacher movie you did with Ben Stiller? You directed that. Oh, it's I perfectly just fun. That. It's perfectly fun. Keeping uh, the faith. Yeah, keeping the faith doesn't mean you can make a Hulk movie. Um, but whatever they had, they had some faith in them. And but like they also cast him as their lead. So if he has problems on set, that's one thing. But then like if you start cutting his script and then editing out his written scenes, you have a whole other kind of ego to manage. And there was this kind of ugly behind-the-scenes thing that we don't really see in Marvel movies that much anymore, where Norton was kind of like, no, nah, I'm not going to do any promotion for this film. I forget how it worked, but he like kind of didn't promote this movie as a result of maybe some editing and uh, change. Some, uh, I think they had a problem with the runtime. It was supposed to be a right. – they wanted it to run a little longer. Uh, Norton did, and um, and every executive's like, this shouldn't be over three hours <laughs> yeah. long, oh, idiot. God. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm paraphrasing all this shit now from from memory, but I love Edward Norton. But like, I'm so glad we got Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, yeah. it's a, that's a good point. That it's it's still a nervous energy, but it's a different nervous energy. He's yeah. he's just yeah, he's sort of hang doggy and twitchy, mm-hmm. and right. Edward Norton's like intense. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I find this movie pretty fun. I like that they they don't do origin story; they get it out of the way, sort yeah. of as the credits are going. Like, here's here's a primer in case you missed it. Um, my I guess my big complaint is the end fight feels like it goes on forever. Yes. And they waste Omar from The Wire yeah. for no reason. He's like in the movie to be like, oh shit, and like that guy should have been a Marvel character, what? asshole. You just wasted him, <laughs> Omar. He's wasted my forever. Faith. Yeah, I know. That's our that's our trivia team name, Friends of Omar. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this movie is sort of missable. But yeah, if you're complete, yeah. it, it doesn't hurt, dude. It really doesn't hurt. It's just there are yeah, 19 movies. I can't say that it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's like, I guess it's bad in comparison, but that means, I don't know, like, oh, just getting a beer isn't bad in comparison to champagne. It's like, well, you still got a <laughs> beer out of it. Uh, how about this guy? It's the best Hulk movie ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah un- that's an easy call. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Everybody can be wait, happy. Wait, does Thor Ragnarok count? Ooh, Ooh. goodness. Uh, I hey, Look, I watched that again. He's not there for like an hour and, tw- and like 20 minutes. That is uh, not yeah. a Hulk movie. And then half of it's Ruffalo. Anywho, uh, like Incredible Hulk, not the worst MCU film. We'll discuss that at a later date. Yep. Um, 2008, June 8th through the 14th. Uh, television. I missed this one last week, so it's fucking on me. The premiere of the Venture Brothers, third season premiere. Uh, Shadow Shadow Man Nine in the Cradle of Destiny. Die. You're a Venture Brothers fan, right? Oh hell yeah! And I only wanted to bring it up 
mainly for Rick and Morty fans. Um, this is you're at we're at the halfway point of Venture Brothers sixth seasons, uh, and there have been three seasons in the last decade. Decade. I just find that astonishing that this like before there was Rick and Morty, this is their top tier show, and they they let the same two got same two guys write and kind of control everything. So it takes them a while. I respect that. But like, if you're looking for new Rick and Morty anytime soon, holy shit, there's like two and a half, three years in between every Venture Brothers season. Uh, but this was the premiere, and I think it bumped some people out because it was one of those um, flashback episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the one where um, I, one of the things I love most about the Venture Brothers is how boring and unglamorous they make the world of superheroing look. And not only that, but super villainy. The Guild of Calamitous Intent. The idea that to <laughs> to arch someone requires paperwork, and that you can't usurp another I love villain. That. <laughs> That's what it's all about. People complaining about how hard it is to like. Oh, I can't actually kill him. Breaking union violations. I need to get into this. And uh, this is just a scene of the monarch's origins, and he where he meets twenty four uh, in the locker room as he's arching for the phantom limb, talking about going rogue. I have orders for. Holy crap! You're the monarch. Oh, you heard of the mighty monarch then? No. The hot new villain that's arching Dr. Venture? I'm all the rage! I thought Dr. Venture was dead. Son! Dr. Venture's son! I can't believe you haven't heard of me! Sorry. Well, Lim's hosting the guild ball tonight. You're on duty! So you can't go arch that kid. I'm not going to arch tonight! Tonight, I am attending the guild ball as the monarch! Oh, dude, the place is gonna be crawling with guild guys. You can't arch here, they'll kill you! It might make me kill you. No arching! I shall don the colors for love. As a henchman, she is forbidden fruit. But as the monarch, she is easy pickings. Tonight, I take what is loinfully mine. Nope. <laughs> Tonight, you're standing around holding a tray of mini tacos dressed like an idiot with a nine on your chest. <laughs> Fucking love this show. And that's the, the courtship of Dr. Girlfriend. Talks Aww. her right out of the arms of Truculi. <laughs> The Greco-Roman <laughs> Transformer character, Trucules. Um Do love uh, the show so much. So I was looking. So that was we missed that last week, and then yeah. this week it's uh, the Doctor the, is Sin, the Doctor which is introduces sin. Doctor Henry Killinger. No, he was introduced in the previous oh. in the prior season, but this is a really but good no, moment. It's the for return him. of Henry Killinger. Then Henry Killinger, a great character, a, an insane character. Thinking that anybody watching Adult Swim will get this Harry Kissinger parody. Fucking He's love. Harry Kissinger meets um, Mary Poppins <laughs> for supervillains. Oh god! Yeah. Oh god! I'll try. What? And that's the for me. That's the most notable television. I love the Venture Brothers. That's my recommend this week. Go watch that to make sure they continue making it. I hope they always will. Uh, June 9th, Monster Buster Club debuts on Jetix. That's a channel that no longer exists. What um, the hell is that? Uh, it's a cartoon on what I think used to be Disney. What? was former what is now Disney XD. Um, but okay. just a kid's cartoon. Not sure it lasted that long. Uh, June 13th, um, Battlestar Galactica Revelations, the mid-season finale. Um, I don't want to talk that much about this because I have such a vague memory of it, but it's sort of where like, it's hard to describe because you've had four seasons of the Cylons and humans fighting one another. And now they're like, eh, we're both run out of resources. Let's compromise. They find Earth. It's irradiated and sucks. Boom, hard cut. Wait another year for the four season to conclude. 
Um, that also happened. And there are a dick load of finales for shows I have never, ever heard of. So speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Uh, Daybreak, Todd World, Men in Trees, America's Pulse, Temptation, and World of Quest all closed their doors this week. I think Men in Trees was an Anne Heche vehicle. Yep. Okay. There you go. There we go. Lots of circles. She's back. She's back, you guys. And then gone again. Apparently. Oh, oh, I have to talk again? Oh, my God. My retainer hurts, and I want to go home. Um, <laughs> we are home. <laughs> that is it for television. Um, games of 2008, it's a big one. Um, a Train Odyssey 2. It's on uh, Nintendo DS. My Pokemon Ranch comes to WiiWare. Don King finally gets his own boxing game with Prize Fighter. Frogger finally gets an official sequel on XBLA. That is official in giant air quotes. God damn it, Konami. Uh, and uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots hits PS3 exclusively. And uh, that was a huge, huge deal. Super aged up uh, Solid Snake. I have not played this game, but I bought my PS3 with it, making it the PS3 game I have ignored for the longest because it came with my system. Uh, but I also wanted to point out it's the only one that has not been on another system. Every other Metal Gear has been playable on another platform and we have never been able to play Guns of the Patriots on any other system, and I—that's probably why it's completely passed me by. I'm not I, my PS3 is the only system from the last two generations that's broken. Uh, cannot play it, but that's a Metal Gear in two different sections of a 302010. We call that a 302010 sandwich. How about that? <laughs> get a sound drop ready. But that is it for the show. You can find out more at 302010.net or at lasertimepodcast.com. Please leave us a comment uh, to clarify or chime in with your thoughts. Odds, odds are we haven't seen or are not as passionate about these things as you are. And we love to hear your thoughts and really want to find ways to go back uh, to celebrating them as well. Um, please also check out the uh, Laser Time Show, the sister podcast to this show. Um, it's very much like this, but topic-oriented. Sarah recently put together one called The Toys That Maimed Us, all about toys that hurt, killed, or caused pain. Yeah. Uh, it was, re- to me, really fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, educational. And educational. <laughs> um, and you can check that out. Uh, bonus Time is our, our, our show exclusively for patrons. We are 99% supported uh, through Patreon, patreon.com slash lasertime. Uh, no, those ads don't do much. It's listener contributions that keep all these shows afloat and the studio chugging along. Um, and every single week, we have an uncensored, ad-free uh, show exclusively for our patrons. And this week, we have an additional show. Diamond Dog Dave Rudden and I are talking, uh, doing a big, giant spoiler cast for the fifth season of Arrested Development. I personally have seen every episode of Arrested Development at least three times, including, yes, including the fourth season. Um the everything before that a thousand times. Um, but, and I saw this season two times. So we're going to spoil the hell out of Arrested Development. I couldn't be a bigger nerd about something on the air right now. So check that out at the low cost of five bucks. In addition to uh, hundreds of commentaries, uh, video commentaries, uh, other stuff over there on Patreon. A lot of stuff. You'll never be bored again. Die. what you got going on? Eh, not much. I guess I'm just on Twitter at listen, a nerd, L E C I N E N E R D. <laughs> and well then take us out with some dying people okay so uh deaths this week 1988 we lost louis lamore he was 80 the uh writer Say who's got a great name <sighs> that's me blowing out a cigarette um oh, okay i'm french yeah 
It was just confusing because didn't he write westerns? Yes. Okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't belong here. Let me go to bed. Recovering uh, from food poisoning. We'll take over from here. Oh. <laughs> it's kidding. okay. Uh, 1998, we lost another author. That was Catherine Cookson, who made it to 91. And then me as a journalizer person, 2008. This one hurt hard. Tim Russert of facing <gasps> oh, No. Yeah. Meet the Press. Yeah. I always get them wrong. Yeah. Uh, long, long time host of Meet the Press. A uh, massive heart attack uh, and died. He was 58. Because he was, he was still hosting the show when he died, right? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't yeah, die he, on set. But. No, he didn't die on set. He died near a set that were here. He was at some sort of, I guess I'm looking at it right now. He was at the uh, NBC News Bureau in Washington, D.C. doing voiceovers for Meet the Press and keeled over. He said voiceovers. So, I just imagine him doing DreamWorks characters. Yeah. I'm a smiling You were like a voice on Family Guy. <laughs> and, and, now, and now I can just, yes, people, he died so he could be taken over by sleepy-eyed Chuck Todd, oh, that snake oh, in the grass. Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh, man. I feel like we just, we've lost all the adults in the news industry, and he was one of them. No, nah, you still have the blithering, <laughs> the blithering uh, Chris Hardball. <laughs> no, he's not an adult. No? He doesn't okay. count. Okay. No. We're out of adults. Notice I, I anyway. love just calling an old man blithering. It perfectly <laughs> describes him. <laughs> All right. So, so, are you so, ready for birthday quiz? Rebirth. Birthday. All right. We had a, a good one this week. Uh, born June 8th, 1958. Happy 60th birthday. You do not look it at all. Uh, born in Harlem, the oldest of 10 kids. Mm. Uh, left mm. Tuskegee University to pursue comedy. Went to L.A. Started writing on Hollywood Shuffle, Eddie Murphy's Raw. Robert. Oh. A movie we'll be talking about soon. Oh. I'm going to get you, sucker. Oh, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans. It is Keenan Ivory Wayans. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Hey, dude. I am terrible at this game. 60. Me and your husband watch I'm Going to Get You, Sucker. Like, oh, I know. Almost every year. God I've damn. seen it a bunch, too. <laughs> I love that movie. Sam loves it. Yep. Dirty mother, watch your mouth. Anyway, oh, so good. Yeah, we got we got it coming up, I believe. I think it's an 88. Oh, so excited to get oh. to watch that again. We might have to have Sam on to talk about Yeah, that. or do a Monday night movie again, which yes. Sam said he'll do, but not on Monday. So, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll have to see how that adjusts. Um, that is it for 302010. Once again, uh, laserdimepodcast.com or like, leave a review on any of your podcatchers. We do appreciate you guys listening. We're going to close out with what, Diana? I figured we'd uh, go back to The Happening for a moment because, you know, there was a movie in the 60s called The Happening, which has a really, really good Supremes theme song. And I want that to be more famous than the shitty movie where trees kill you. <laughs> Agreed. Sounds fair. See you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.